ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all ages and denominations, welcome back to Not Just a Phase. Thanks so much for joining us here today, and thanks for being on this crazy planet we call Earth. Uh, we got a pretty exciting episode for you today. Hong Kong Fuck You is on the show, and uh, they are a, a bad excuse for a band that isn't even from Hong Kong. They're actually from Tijuana, Mexico, and they're making some of the most awful crazy noise to ever be put on recordings. Hong Kong Fuck You is some bass-focused power violence that's literally as raw and as fast as can be, and nobody's doing it like these guys. Christian Hell is with us today to discuss the influences behind their style of power violence and answer a bunch of other random shit I want to ask. And all jokes aside, this band is seriously fucking impressive. If you haven't heard this band yet, you've absolutely been fucking up. So check this out. All right, well, first of all, fuck you. And second of all, this is Christian from Hong Kong Fuck You. And the song's called Ala Mierda. And you're listening to Not Just a Phase. take beautiful and just before we uh (laughs) just before we kick in today i wanted to introduce a new co-host for this episode her name's bell and she recently began to conduct interviews and document hardcore and diy music uh in the los angeles area she reached out to me wanting to take part in not just a face and after hearing some of her interviews i was of course happy to say yes and she helped set up this interview today so happy to have her co-hosting the episode yeah thanks for sharing your mic with me I'm stoked to join the team. Absolutely. This mic is for the community. And on to our guest of honor today for the episode is Mr. Hell. Mr. Hell, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for talking with us today. And how are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. Not too shabby. Uh, I would consider this a break from work. So yeah, uh, even though I'm still at my computer. But yeah, uh, I'm good. What, What do you do for work? Right now, it's just purely graphic design, and right. uh, that entails whatever promoter or booker that I'm working with, um, or graphic design, just designing my own shit, uh, and mostly merch for Hong Kong Fuck You, or merch for other people. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. And is this your first podcast? Uh, I 
don't think so. No, I did one uh, a couple years ago. It was horrible. Okay, because I looked it up and I couldn't find it. So I was like, I wonder if this is the first uh, chat you've put on like audio. Yeah, I didn't remember the name of it. Uh, <laughs> shit. Ouch. I think cool. it was called like, this is a terrible podcast. I seriously think so. Uh, but it was <laughs> ran by uh, this guy named Wade Blazer over okay. at uh, the rec center, which is a spot in, uh, which is a venue, rest in peace, from LA. Mm-hmm. And okay. it was, it was kind of cool. Uh, except uh, everyone was kind of talking over each other. So it was just, uh, yeah, no one liked it. So yeah, but there's a live session at the end. That was great. So you just skip one hour, go to the live session. Bam. Cool. Amazing. Cool. Do you listen to any uh, podcasts in your free time? I used to. I don't remember the names of them at all, but they're usually, um, there are a lot of like short ones that just give you in- random information uh, that were like two minutes long three minutes long and i would just binge those uh there's one called uh i think it was called the art of charm which sounds like douchey like it's like a <laughs> yeah like some kind of guy for picking up women but it's not it's just all psychology in general um and like random topics as well uh occasionally on politics but usually the psychology behind the politics and stuff i don't really know what i'm talking about that's why i sound like an idiot when i'm talking about it but right. it's cool Right. <laughs> and what are you what are you doing in your free time outside of writing and performing with the band is there any passions or hobbies uh, that are taking up your time or not really <laughs> just constantly <laughs> doing this art shit uh yeah i'm just constantly doing it um i try to drum and play my instruments but lately uh it's you know this graphic design gigs have been eating up all my time when I'm not doing that, I'm hanging out with my kid um, who's in the States. So I'm with him about three to four days a week. True, and I come true. back. Someone let you reproduce. Um, yeah, that's a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Someone decided that uh, they're going to keep a baby uh, who was... <laughs> Who beat the 99.99% odds of the, the pill. I, apparently, I didn't know you're still supposed to pull out. So I lost my pull-out card there. No and, uh, yeah. So, the future. It's a miracle I'm child. I've always pulled the fuck out. I don't give a shit. Cream pie? Sorry. One and done. If you do have done. a cream pie, you do make a cream pie, uh, I'll probably make him a smoothie that has like three planet or plan Bs. That's what it's called. Three plan yeah. Bs in there. I think it's called Plan B, right? It is here. Plan B smoothie with a Plan B omelet. (laughs) So, what role are you currently doing with the band? Like, you've been you've been doing bass, vocals, drums. What are you doing at the moment? Are you sticking to one or the other? Uh, I'm just working with what I got. (laughs) Some shows, uh, one of the the thirty bases we fucking have can't play, so I'm like, all right, I'll play bass at a certain part of the, you know, of the set, but I mix it up. You know, I always start on the drums and then I usually, uh, my drummer guy comes in and then I, then I just switch to fronting the band. Right. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, we're actually, um, well more so I am actually considering doing a fourth bass live, but not on every single fucking song during every moment. But, you know, sometimes there'll be like heavy moments and I'm like, well, I could really, boost those heavy moments like usually the grooves or the crushing doom kind of um 
Crush and Doom kind of accents that we have sometimes. And I decided at fourth base in there, like, goddamn. So that's all I have to say. It's just goddamn. <laughs> we actually had this chat a while ago, but what band actually has the record for the most bassists in their band? <sighs> I don't know. I put out a record that has technically eight bases on it. It's horrible, but oh, uh, well, it was a single, about. actually. Okay. <laughs> um, Eight's uh, too many? No, it's not bad. I thought it was trash, but um, <laughs> I listened to it on this iPad Pro, which has a really good audio, and I was like, oh, okay, it sounds good. It does sound good. So, what? unfortunately, Spotify and uh, most streaming apps just really compress a little shit out of, you know, the music that artists record, uh, unless they have, like, really high-quality, lossless masters that they can... Uh, that the listener can choose to listen to. Um, like Spotify does not have those options at all. Spotify is one of the worst streaming services. And, you know, like I was implying earlier, it just makes your music sound like shit. So I listened, re-listened to that single I put up that has eight bases on it, on this iPad, and it sounded amazing. So, yeah, changed my mind. What started, like, the whole bass-focused thing? How did you even get to eight bases? Uh, I had a dream that uh, was a band. I was watching a band that had like six bases and I was like, that shit's tight. And then uh, I posted about it on Facebook the next day because uh, sometimes you just got to do that. And uh, a lot of people were like, yo, I want to see that. A lot of people were like, I want to do that. And I was like, all right, I should do it. And then I did about a year later. Was that a serious answer? You just had a dream about six bases? Uh, I really did. I can. I will screenshot you that uh that post i can find it okay. <laughs> about uh, a year ago especially in this genre each instrument individually has an aggressive part in a song that has to not entirely overtake each other so like it can all come together as a cohesive whole consistent yes. considering there's three or now like even four bases that's a hell of a competition so like would you say each bass takes on a unique task or like sound perspective so they don't all blend together? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Sometimes it's okay if some are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. um, most people didn't realize that the majority of bands do what's simply called quad tracking, which is where you're actually hearing four guitars at the same time. There's many methods to it. Um, so that's how I kind of got the idea to do it. And uh, um, where's I getting with this? Ah, we can edit this, but uh, shit, I lost my train of thought because I have ADD. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Okay, I got it. All right, ready? Here we go. Um, so it's, it's essentially called serving each other's tone. Or, uh, yeah, serving each other's tone. So you'll have one that kind of hits the mid-range, another bass that kind of just serves as the actual low end. And then another one that's just a little grittier and dirtier than the uh, the other mid bass. And then when we do stereo panning, meaning, uh, you know, in the studio when you're literally shifting the audio from, so it sounds like it's to your left or to your right or in the center, that really helps mm -hmm. separate everything else as well. Because I mean, if we didn't, if we didn't do that, it would just sound like an absolute fucking mess as you can hear on our, first record but i mean some people like that shit so that's it's all good yeah i but can't imagine like four bases all in mono that would get messy 
Yes, uh, well, that's when we are just going to be simply doing what you consider, like, I think they're called, um, like, bomb notes. Yeah, like a bomb note. Uh, a good example of a bomb note would be, like, doom metal. This is where you're just hitting a single note mm-hmm. that just really, that just has a lot of sustain to it. So it's just like a long, boom, you know, and that's the exact moments when I would be adding a fourth bass. So obviously not every band can make good music or successfully get their shit out there. How would you describe your writing process for your music as a band? Is there a sort of atmosphere or a natural element of musical chemistry that just makes it all work? Well, that's a, there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, when we first started, it was literally just me and my buddies bullshitting and jamming and remembering what we played when we liked sometimes and uh that would you know that's how we basically wrote the first three eps after that um you know after rotating so many members i wrote everything myself and recorded everything myself and it's been like that ever since then uh, i think we've had maybe like uh, five or six releases after that and uh right now with the newest one of the newest records that we're working on that's just me and Eric, who's the uh, the oldest member that has remained in the band besides myself. And uh, I'm the primary songwriter. So any majority of it is just entirely me. And uh, me and him will jam it out to see how we feel about certain sections or he'll, you know, do some slight changes on a riff or a melody in general that he feels sounds the same as an older song. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, I'm just the primary songwriter. Do you think there's like certain personalities or something that just make it click easier or make it kind of hassle-free? Personalities as in uh, in our band? Yeah. Oh, uh, definitely. You know, um, it's usually at the end of the day, kind of me and Eric holding it down and and we're like, you know, we're always watching the members and determining if they're going to get us canceled or not or cancel themselves really <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> That's what we're looking out for. That's all that really matters. <laughs> nice. Is that why you've rotated like 30 some odd members, you think? or? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the members, almost all the members, only one member of Mexico was not canceled. And uh and uh, in the States, uh, you know, some guys just, you know, they couldn't keep up, you know. Sure. Scheduling and everything. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. So, or there was that one bassist who was a very talented musician, but he was such, such a little dick sometimes. And he would just change parts. I'm like, why are you doing that? And he insisted it would sound better. And he would change his tone. At a certain point, he said, I'm going to use a chorus pedal. And I said, all right, enjoy that. Because uh, that was his last show after he did that. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up pedals because I know you're you're big into making noise. And I, I, for the gearheads, I got to ask, like, how many pedals yeah. do you own and which ones are your favorite right now? Man, I don't fucking know. Cannot count with all my toes and fingers and uh, maybe your toes and fingers as well. Do you have a favorite uh, though? As for my favorite one... Huh. That's a damn good question. Um, 
I, there's one called a digital scream and it's a little synth pedal made by Enron Valdez from Los Angeles. And she is a, a DIY pedal maker and it just creates like some of the craziest oscillations I have ever heard coming out of a pedal. And it's really fun. And there's uh, this other pedal uh, I have from Bigsby Game Changer. Uh, I'm sorry, from Game Changer, just what they're called. And uh, it's called a light reverb and it's very, just so beautiful to just stare at because uh, it has like a spring reverb that you can see through a little tiny window in it that is illuminated by light and the light affects the reverb. It's, I don't get it, but uh, it's really beautiful. And if you kick it, it sounds like you're kicking like one of those old combo amps that have, you know, spring reverbs in them. This makes that like wah, 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 kind of sound that you always hear at the beginning of a Dick Dale song. So I would say those two are definitely my favorite. You have like a pretty unique sound. So if you could describe your tone in two words, what would those words be? Ooh, that would be clanky and chainsaw. So how did you get into like punk? What in your music journey do you think led you to the sound you have today? And maybe not even I, the sound, like you have some humor aspects. What is it? The special unit, like victims unit sound plays at the start of one of the songs. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> well, that song's about uh, killing pigs in Mexico, uh, which is, well, I feel like 95% of Mexico would enjoy doing or watching. Um, so that, that felt appropriate to use that at the beginning of the song. <laughs> what kind of like developed you into that sound, the combination of all those things, kind of the lightheartedness, but also your tone? How did you get there? You know, the lightheartedness is almost a sarcasm and this like almost quite a facade. Uh, to decide the fact that our my lyrics are extremely dark and really fucked up in layman's terms. So I felt like I had to balance it out, you know. Uh, it's just a little too much for me personally to just be fully, you know, edgy. Uh, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of cliche. And it's not really my aesthetic in general. But, you know, more so subtly, of course, then that's fine. But that says, you know, a guy who has literally the F word on almost every garment he owns. But, uh, yeah, uh, so when I was a kid, you know, getting to the answer about what led to me shaping my sound. Uh, so when I was a kid, I would listen to a lot of breakbeat because I used to break dance. Um, and uh, a lot of, like, boom bap hip hop because that's all my brother listened to. And uh, one day I was just looking for something different and I went into his room and I saw a cover of Evil Empire by Rage Against the Machine and it was just the, the child on that cover it was just so riveting and I felt like I had to listen to it and uh, opening it up and not, even though I didn't understand the lyrics fully, I could understand he was practically muckraking and exposing things about, you know, the government and world leaders and it, just, it was so aggressive and it was so... Um, noisy at the same time because Tom Morello has a bunch of fucking crazy pedals and uh, I feel like that really kind of started me on my journey that was like the first like, rock <laughs> rock you know like album that I, I listened to uh, 
after that, all the CDs behind that one was like Corn and uh, Smooth It Down, uh, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> uh, Soulfly, uh, and uh, I think it was Pearl Jam in there too. I didn't really like Pearl Jam too much, but uh, eventually got into them kind of. But um, yeah, and then more so throughout high school and middle or middle school and high school, uh, there was this radio show I used to listen to called Another State of Mind in San Diego. And they would play it would, every Sunday at, at 10 p.m. till like 2 a.m. And they would just play brutal death metal and uh, thrash, just all kinds of metal in general. And uh, that's where I really started getting into underground music. Because at that time, you, you know, you couldn't really find shit like that um, anywhere. And especially me growing up in a Christian household with no internet. So that was just an absolute gold mine for me. And uh, discovering more bands and discovering more obscure metal bands. And, uh, and then a little bit later on in high school, I had a buddy that was a metalhead. And he showed me this band called Toxic Narcotic, which everyone knows. But... Um, uh, that's when I started getting a little bit more interested in grindcore and um, kind of like hardcore because I, I would Toxic Narcotic is kind of more this like a um, somewhat of speedcore and like metal at the same time and that got me interested in doing like faster vocals very fast paced vocals and um, playing drums like that and uh and then, of course, like when I got more into grindcore, that was like a slow crossover into getting into like 80s hardcore. And then uh, what really got me in 80s hardcore is when I went to uh, my first DIY show when I was a teenager in San Diego. And I was exposed to so many local hardcore bands at the time. And I enjoyed that atmosphere way more than metal shows because back then, you know, metal shows were, it was just looked like a fucking pantene commercial and uh everyone was just kind of a dick into themselves and anti-social and anytime you talked about a band someone would be like oh yeah that the guitar sucks and just you know so elitist and very unwelcoming for you know like a young child and uh so going to a hardcore show like a hardcore punk show was, it, it felt more it resonated more with me you know everyone was very cool um Probably wasn't cool for adults to be giving my teenage ass alcohol and weed, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I just felt so dangerous too. It, you know, it felt so much more dangerous and it's, it was more violent. So that's what really sealed the deal and led me down this shitty path of just making music. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the community is really what makes a lot of people stay. But did you just fucking say Limp Biscuit? I did, got you yeah. to the oh, sound. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I did not see that one coming. Oh hell yeah, I love Limp Biscuit. Yeah, do not knock the biscuit, please. Not on the show. <laughs> that will not be tolerated. <laughs> what's the what's the scene like in your area? You got like favorite bands, favorite venues? Uh and TJ, it's all right. <laughs> it's not as cool as it used to be. Um, like in, between the years like 2010 to, I'm sorry, between like the early 2000s to uh, 2015, it was a lot more popping. And because, you know, at the time, 
no one has really given a shit about like sub genres and genres within genres. It's just like you're a rocker or not. So, you know, we had very diverse lineups and the shows were packed. But throughout time, uh, it's like as if it evolved into, uh, you know, they grew more aware that they can uh, have shows with specific genres in their lineups and uh, it kind of divided. And the younger generation never got into the DIY punk scene. They're all now um, just making corridos narcos and uh, just being gangsters. So, yeah, all the, the punk rockers just, just kind of fizzled out. So now when I play shows in TJ, it's, you know, I'd be, I'd be lucky if it's like a hundred people. Wow. I didn't... Yeah, it's for, yeah, it's, really? it's still cool though. You know, it's a tight knit community, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe one day there'll be a resurgence, but for now the, the kids just aren't into it. Uh, as for San Diego, uh, San Diego used to be dry, but now it's, it's really, really good. And touring bands, do you want to come through San Diego now? And, uh, that's uh, where we have our largest demographic right now, our second largest, the first being in LA. Um, but yeah, San Diego is, is absolutely great. Um, we just need more bands in San Diego that people like. <laughs> is, there a, is there a band you're listening to right now from any area that you don't think is getting enough hype you want to put a spotlight on? Uh, it's a tough question. Because, uh, I mean, the only bands I really listen to... Oh, you know what? Yes, there's this great band here in TJ called Palesera. They're fucking amazing. They have like they just straight up sound like Mexican Charles Bronson. I fucking love them. And, Seriously. Uh, they're like just true blue, like little dumbass power violence kids. They take 45 fucking minutes to set up and just play like a seven-minute set. It's great. And then they take another hour to break down. Horrible stage etiquette, but amazing band and really cool guys. <laughs> You're gonna have to link me that after because there's no way my gringo ass is gonna be able to spell that. Balacera, it's a uh, B is in boy, A L A C E is in everybody. R T A R K R A R A. Okay, I thought there'd be a T there. Yes, A is in A. All right, all right. You got this. I think you got the next question there, Val. So are you working currently on any new material? I think you just mentioned it a little bit ago. Yeah, me and Eric are slowly putting together one of our EPs, which is, uh, I think we're aiming for it to be like 10 minutes long. And uh, I just lost my train of thought because I took gum out of my mouth and I'm trying to, I don't know what to do with it. Can you guys hear me chewing my gum? <laughs> Is this no, why your songs good. are like a minute long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, with the um, new material, what would you say key emotions or environments has the new material been written in or with? So far, I haven't really thought of lyrics for it. Um, but it's the same as usual. You know, I just, I want it to make me want to move, you know. Uh, it should evoke me wanting to feel the need to express myself to it in a day. So uh, I guess I would say the, the key expressions would be uh, 
grooving and moving. Would you say when you're writing like the riffs and stuff for it, is there a common emotion you're typically feeling that translates through the sound at all? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> like, you know, um, I, I just kind of just, I usually just always go with the flow. And, uh, but generally um, it's definitely a lot of rage for no mm -hmm. reason at all. <laughs> I, uh, I've been really happy lately. So it's, uh, it's hard to find something to get angry about. Um, so usually I have to read the news to find something that absolutely enrages me. And, uh, and I'll just, and then I'll, you know, I'll kind of go off about it. Like the recent single I put out, Stop, Drop and Burn. Um, you know, I, naturally I, I can just write something heavy without having to think about what motion goes into it. But then when the lyrics come and when I start singing, that's when it comes into it. And I was reading up on the Ubaldi shooting. I think that's why I say Ubaldi in, uh, in Texas. Uh, it just, as usual, it's really easy to just get mad at cops. So uh, that's how I was able to tap into rage to write the lyrics for that and to really go all in when I recorded it. And a uh, majority of Hong Kong stuff, I'm usually just singing about people I absolutely would beat the shit out of. Uh, and some of them I actually have beat the shit out of that I, I sing about. And I kind of poke fun at them in those songs. It's the same, it's the same guy too. I've, I've literally talked shit about him in like three songs. <laughs> <laughs> so Rage inspires like a lot of the music. Absolutely. I was trying to deny mm. it. So I don't think like a <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm just a very angry person. So very is that about it. is that a part of like the goal or intention with the impact of the short, hard hitting songs? No, I'm just dramatic. <laughs> I'm over dramatic as fuck. If I like drop a, something as small as like a piece of paper on my foot, I'll like scream. Just you know, just just because. <laughs> So it's kind of like a part of your personality coming through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe I can blame Jim Carrey for that. My childhood. I don't know. I got to think hard about that. Maybe anime. Well, with all of that, is there, is that a sort of a part of the image or message you set out to have? Or if you don't set out to have anything, would you say you have an accidental image? Uh, I kind of just, you know, I was just, when Hong Kong first started, uh, all the song titles were always just personal and like every song title on the, the first three records were just inside jokes, you know, um, like for example, uh, uh, Fast Drugs, Slow Death, that's one of the earliest songs we've written. My old bandmate did so much fucking cocaine. That one day I told him I was like, man, these I was like, these fast drugs are slowly killing your ass. And then I was like, oh. and then I wrote that down. I wrote down fast drugs, slow death. And uh that, you know, that's literally that song is just me making fun of him.
there's another song that we have on the, uh, the previous record to that one. I was called Ready to Lose, which sounds like a really, a very like angsty, like shitty, like generic power violence song. But really, it's a drinking game me and that bandmate had called uh, Going to Lose. And uh, he would, uh, it's when you both drink at the same time and the first person to finish it wins, you know? And he would always come up to me with a beer and say, ready to lose, thinking that he would win. But I would beat him every fucking time. He never beat me ever. <laughs> he would always <laughs> say, ready to lose. That song is also just me making fun of him. <laughs> and it almost has like this, I wouldn't say double meaning, but in a, the appearance on the outside is that that song is very dark, but it's actually humorous. And then, it's, you know, that kind of yin-yangs with the other songs where it seems like it's a humorous song because of the silly song title but it's actually some of the darkest shit I've ever written. Yeah, what is up with the whole eating ass thing? Yeah, that's uh, we did a split, this band called Guilt Dispenser, and uh, all their song titles are just so, like, stoically dark. So that's me making fun of... That's literally just me making fun of Guilt Dispenser. So instead, <laughs> uh, I just... I, I insisted that... I would have originally I was just going to have like really long, like 10 letter single word song titles that was secretly an anagram to spell eat ass. But then I was like, why, why stop there? And then, you know, I'm also just going to make fun of Eric Woods because that's really easy to do because he's such a dick to people and uh, make every single song title a parody about eating ass of men is the bastard songs that turned into an anagram that spells out eat ass on top of all that but <laughs> all those lyrics i just thought of people that i think deserve to die and i wrote about them and uh well no there's two that uh that are about there's one about um the river i think it's called river ganges is how you say it in india which is the most disgusting most polluted vile place in the world and it's just that that river was intended for people to scatter the ashes of their loved ones there and it's a holy river and people just kind of got lazy and just started straight up chucking dead bodies in there and just leaving it and uh eventually it became a public bathroom so the shore literally looks like a, a tray of hershey's kisses and uh you'll just see dogs out there eating corpses and kids swimming in that water old people bathing in water, pissing and shitting in the water, and that's just socially accepted. It's normal out there. And it's so fucking gross. Uh, so that's what the first song's about. <laughs> so to answer Holy your shit. question, eat ass is just, you know, it's that was like a, something to just laugh at because I didn't want to, you know, scare people away with uh, the true content behind it all. And, uh, to answer your question that's what eat ass is about <laughs> one of my favorite things is um the art aspect to your band the lamp utia is one of my favorite band symbols for sure so what drives your arts direction for your band Flame about what was that that was about eight years of just scrolling through fucking tumblr <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shout out to Tumblr. I miss that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of don't, but I kind of do. 
it was good at the time. I don't think it would be the same now, good. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I feel like Twitter's can kind of be the new Tumblr now because it's just something that I never should have opened in public. You know, there's this moment I was at a cafe <laughs> yeah. and I opened my Tumblr feed and the first thing there is just a gif of this porn star just squirting the fuck all over the camera. And right when I opened it, like this like feminist, super turf bane walked past me and just gave me the hugest scoff. And the irony of that was that literally the same exact type of person that scoffed at me was the person that had posted it because they're all about like that swarker life. Uh, there was just no winning that day. So, yeah. And that's now Twitter. Twitter is something you just don't open in public. No matter how much you try to clean up your feed, it's just something just pops up that you don't want to be caught looking at in public. So what is your favorite show, favorite part of playing Big Bills, like your show coming up in Anaheim with bands like Harm? I would say uh, having more than one circuit breaker, (laughs) (laughs) which is a common problem. Uh, I'll I'll play like a DIY show or just a a smaller venue and uh, I'll ask the the sound guy, like, how many circuit breakers do you have? And he would just look at me like, I asked him the stupidest question in the world because he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's like, oh, we have like 30 like outlets right over here. And I'm like, no, Circuit Breaker has so many times at shows. Oh, my fucking God. Our amps will just shut down or just cut off the sound because it's too much power being run into the same source of power, which is the Circuit Breaker. And uh, I ugh, I always have to ask that question before I play a venue. But usually when I play a bigger venue, they have everything, they just they know what to do. It's so nice. <laughs> what bands haven't you played with yet that you'd love to share the stage with? Let Biscuit, I'm sure. Uh, nice. Number one on that list. Good call. Yeah. Second, uh, second would be, huh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I'd say Water Torture. And uh, I'm probably just saying that to flex that I might be playing with them uh, in New York City. Or not New York City, Brooklyn, uh, next July. So that'd be really cool. And I think that'd be like the first time playing in a while. Do you have a favorite show or tour memory that stuck out to you so far as a band? It's usually just me unashamedly just dropping my pants in the tour van and pissing in the piss jug, saying piss jug time. Um, Those are usually the best. That's the highlights? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Me and Eric are always just walking around naked in the hotels to piss the guys off. Uh, at this point, they don't, they don't even care. So that's definitely it. So just like goofing around <laughs> at the end of the day. Those, that's the best part. We tried to do some sightseeing in Washington. We went to this lake. I forget the name of. Uh, and we were stoked. It's beautiful. But everything, every living creature that washed ashore was not living at all. They were all dead. I don't know why but they were all dead. Just dead crabs and there's like one fish i thought was alive and i was like oh i'll save you and i threw him in the water and he just kind of wiggled and sunk the bottom so uh yeah piss jugs all the piss jugs all the piss jug moments they take the wind (laughs) kind of related to piss jug moments is that you have a pretty entertaining stage presence one that really involves a live audience so would you say you've always been extroverted 
or comedic sort of person? Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm pretty dramatic as fuck. So, like, giant hoop earrings and giant hoop, you know, fucking bracelets jangling. Dramatic as fuck. Yeah. So that just comes naturally. It comes very naturally. You seem like the type of person that would cause, like, a lot of issues in class growing up. Oh, you nailed it. Oh, God. <laughs> you nailed it. My teachers hated me. I was so obnoxious. <laughs> I think my favorite moment was where the stu- uh, in English, the, the students had to, like, write about something. Like, I think it had to be a review on a movie or a book. And it was my turn to read mine out loud in class. And I didn't write a single thing. I didn't do my homework because I never did my homework. And I was just like bullshitting it. And my teacher just looked at me and she's like, are you just making this up on the spot? <laughs> Called my ass out. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's, uh, everyone's doing it these days, doing the whole reunion band thing. Is there one band that hasn't done it yet that you'd love to see do it? Uh, man, it's a good question. Who would I like to see do a fucking reunion? Uh, I can't think of anything because Limp Biscuits already back. Hell yeah, they are. <laughs> well, if you could, you kids don't get the Limp Biscuit. I'm... Sorry, I go on. I like. <laughs> I guess I would. I would like to see Soundgarden. Really? But that's not happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I didn't expect they have that. Some, they have, yeah, neither did I. They have, I've heard some like hidden gems that weren't radio songs, and I was like, damn, that's actually really, really good. <laughs> and, um, I really enjoyed uh, some of uh, Chris Cornell's solo stuff, too. It's just very dark, genuinely, and some beautiful vocal melodies that are just very uh, hard to forget. It's just so catchy. Yeah, it's... So if you can't see any get together, if you could see a band break up or an artist throw in the towel, who would it be? Want biscuit? They need to just <laughs> fucking put out a new album or just get the fuck out. They just put out a new album. Did they? Yeah, Did they actually... like yeah, like. I thought it was just like a single. No, there's a whole yeah. album. There's only like three good songs on it, though. I'm not gonna lie. No, that wasn't Limp Bizkit. That was Gridiron. They're very, they're pretty much the same thing, though. <laughs> no, it was actually <laughs> funny, hilarious, but it actually was Limp Bizkit. They did put out a new album, like, nah. Oh, fuck if I know time wise, maybe six months ago. Damn. Shit. I know what I'm listening to right after this podcast. How did you not know? Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 2021. Think... 2021, they put out the album Still Sucks. <laughs> I think when it, first came out it, it was just a single um so and i didn't follow up after that yeah i think dad vibes was the single and then the album dropped where are they getting these fetuses Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck it we'll talk about it fetus smoothies you want to you want to huh. lead us here you want to lead us in here yeah, there's a market for it. There's it's high demand, adrenochrome type beat. Hmm. Okay. <sighs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> something I didn't want to know, but we're gonna. I don't want to know why you know that, but yeah, dark web fetus smoothies apparently. It's fucked up. Sick world we live in. 
It's like so, your first ad read for the podcast. Fetus uh, smoothies. Try to get back to the music now that my brain is racked around that. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet somewhere in the world there's a rabbi stealing fetuses and selling them on the dark web. I'm pretty well, how sure the, there's at least how one the, rabbi. How the hell else are they getting? I don't even want to know. Fuck. All right. Let's try to do this <clears throat> like professional. So have you... Uh, is there a guest vocal feature you'd love to do for any band? If anyone asked you to put some vocals down, who would that uh, who would that dream band be for you? Oh man, I would have to be Admiral Angry if they ever somehow reunited. I would die doing that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so this might be um, an easy one or a hard one, but uh, you know, if you could punch anyone in the face as hard as you can. With absolutely no repercussions, they just have to take it. Who would that be, and why? And you can only pick one person, so try to make the punch count here. I would punch um, Hunter Biden. Yeah, because why not? Okay, he'd probably die. Look at that face. (laughs) (laughs) He'd probably die. He's pretty old. I was just trying to come up with the most obscure answer. <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I thought you said Joe Biden. I don't know. Hunter Biden's not old. I take it back. I'm an idiot. He probably wouldn't die if you punched him. Depends how hard you punch, uh, I guess. Damn it. Okay. Um, let me think of another answer. Uh, okay. I would punch Steve Irwin in the face. Wow, he's dead. Why would you punch Steve Irwin? He seemed like a good dude. I'm literally holding this Steve Irwin action figure, probably from the early 2000s movie that I found in Mexico, and it still works. Listen. (laughs) You should sample that shit. Oh, no. (laughs) Did that come out loud and clear? I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I've never had Steve Irwin on the show type. <laughs> all right. All right. Move, trying to move along here. Um, what's the most illegal or dangerous thing you've ever done? Also, <clears throat> before you answer, I'm editing this part out. Um, if you're going to say anything super illegal, keep in mind that it could affect your border crossing. So I would keep names out of it and shit like that. Oh, I know the exact answer. Okay. So the most illegal thing I ever did was uh, accidentally cross the border with a bunch of cocaine in my pocket that I thought was cocaine, but it's actually meth, and I had no idea until after I railed it, and I was awake for like three days in a row, and I was like, damn, that was not cocaine. Wow. Shout out to shitty dealers who have done that, because that has happened to me, and that sucks. Oh, no, it wasn't it. It wasn't a dealer. My friend said, hey, I found this cocaine. But be careful. But you know, he failed to follow up that be careful with a it might be meth. <laughs> right, shout out to that guy. That sucks. Yeah. Juan Carlos. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. But for real, don't don't do Scante, kids. That shit's fucked up. Don't do that. No, don't do the Scante. No. That's a, yeah. <laughs> and if you work for the border, just ignore that. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Uh, what do you? What music do you listen to that like could be considered a guilty pleasure to yourself or others? You got any cringy shit in the 
musical library? I sincerely don't. I listen to whatever the fuck I want, and I like own it. And if someone hates it, I just I love to annoy them with it. But uh, in terms of like something of any culture, I'm pretty ashamed of probably having a Disney Plus account and just absolutely loving Marvel movies. That's that's definitely pretty cringy and hard, you know. Mm. Yeah. I think Sorry. loving Marvel movies is probably more cringy, but since you're all a bunch of tough guys playing power violence, this is actually on my questions list uh, that I was going to get into. Um, who's your favorite <laughs> Disney princess? Ooh. You think I'd say Mulan because I'm Asian, right? But it's actually Pocahontas, <laughs> even though she looks like the most Asian ass fucking Disney princess there actually is. And because I know pretty much 99% of the lyrics to Colors of the Wind. I said lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> the deep, meaningful lyrics of Colors of the Wind. They are. Oh my god! <laughs> think you song. can think you can just like shit on Disney, but you can't, man. That's, they got some. They got some very beautiful lyrics. Absolutely, best musical scores in any movie, really. Oh my god! Uh, Hunchback in Order, Dom. Right. I'm not that. Maybe that would be considered cringy but i fucking i get emotional listening to uh i think the song is called out there yeah. the one is all super false that he's like out there standing in the sun oh god it gives me chills i'm not even kidding it gives me so much chills i've what? watched videos of just like choir nerds covering it at all comment i was like chills no you don't chills I do, I swear to God. I will find it. Oh, man. I will find that comment. Probably doesn't say that exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's evoking that. It made my spine tingle. Was your your album of the year for 2021 a Disney release, or was it um, something not Disney-related? I wish it was, but Disney sucks lately. Um, I tried watching Aladdin. The only thing, good thing about it was Will Smith, honestly. I love Will Smith like an older brother I never had. Even though he slapped Chris Rock, that was pretty cringy as fuck. He gave yeah. like the worst acceptance speech of all time, of like anything. Mm. <laughs> he did do the Wild Wild I, I, West, though. So That's right. And he yeah. did say, it's the Wild Wild West in Wild Wild West. Exactly. I um, love it. But I'm pretty sad that... Uh, well, no, actually, in Aladdin, he does say Aladdin. So, yeah, he's continuing his streak. <laughs> I actually never saw it. I should probably check that out. It's trash. It's trash. It's trash. Okay. <laughs> um, you got a favorite power violence split album? Because uh, obviously splits are a big thing in that genre of music. Is there a specific one you like? No, more? I, yeah. I'm honestly, like, so unaware that so many power violence albums are actually splits. So the only one I kind of aware of would it's kind of like a super basic bitch one, but it's uh the pain I have every day from Sordo. I I own that one too. I'm pretty stoked on it. It sounds way different than it does online. I think for copyright issues, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's the only one I can really think of. That's a you know actually a power violence split. Besides maybe uh Agafort Nosebleed, they have a I think it was called Domestic Power Violence, and it was a two base like experiment that they did on there it's so nasty 
Um, <laughs> if you could give the world a gift, what would it be and why? And it doesn't have to be a material possession. Damn. I'll give, I want to say I'll give them their favorite Pokemon, like a real life one. But then that would get into like pretty much animal abuse because then they're all going to want to have like Pokemon fights. That's pretty much dog fights. That's kind of fucked up. So uh, I would say I'll give them all their imaginary best friend. That would be amazing. I, I feel like that would cure all of like everyone's depression for sure. Unless someone's imaginary friend is Ted Bundy, and then that's kind of fucked up. You would give everyone then, their imaginary best friend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you still have an imaginary best friend there, Christian? Uh, not really. <laughs> I just kind of fantasize that little cartoon Peko Chan would follow me around. That would be cool, but no, that's not going to happen. Until if you could pick, who would be your starter Pokemon? My starter Pokemon. Ooh, I think I'd probably go. I probably have to go with the. Uh, yeah, for sure. I want a fucking Charizard. Hell yeah! I want a goddamn fucking Charizard. Fully evolved. Not right off the bat. Yeah, just right off the fucking bat. Let's go to Volcano, <laughs> and I'll just beat his ass with a baseball bat. Might as well. <laughs> And just be like, you're mine! Just chuck a Pokeball at his face. And then, uh, yeah, just fly everywhere. Fly everywhere. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up this circus. I got two questions left for you here. Um, what, what's your next big goal or accomplishment you want to reach with the band? Is there a big venue, big festival you've always dreamed of playing? Or just really any goal or milestone you plan to achieve with Hong Kong Fuck You? Like, what's next? I'm finna play Japan with Fuck on the Beach. I heard uh, the drummer, and I'm not kidding, can't come to the States because he is a bukkake artist. And supposedly Japan has this like weird rule that bukkake artists aren't allowed to leave Japan because they would misrepresent Japan. So, yeah, the only way that's happening is either if uh, I find a drummer to fill in and they come to the States or I go to Japan and play with them. Uh, Bukaki artist as in he performs in Bukaki videos just for the record yes that makes you an artist it's very true but in the arts of lots of pixelated Bukaki yes this is a real thing that's what I heard damn <laughs> <laughs> alright so you want to get out to Japan to, to drum for them Yes. Okay. Perhaps not to drum for them, just to you know play a show with them. And, oh, uh, okay. Shake the yeah, and shake the hands of the bukkake artist. <laughs> <laughs> I have real questions, so I'm like, I'm gonna be like, does it come out pixelated? <laughs> I don't understand why they pixelate shit like that. I don't, I don't get it. Censorship is is strange. <laughs> Very strange. Even in the hentai, not that I watch it. Right, sure. What's what's that name for the octopus uh, shit? What do they call that? Oh, it's called tentacle hentai. Yeah. Right, unless you... there's like a Japanese word for it. That not that you I'm watch unaware. it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that I watch it. Not that you watch. Not it. that I fap to it. <laughs> fap. Oh man, your age is showing for sure. 
<laughs> no one says that anymore. Damn it! There's <laughs> uh, a there's old. a pharmacy in TJ. A pharmacy spelled with a like a PH or I think a FA in TJ. I forget. I can't think. Uh, but someone like edited the sign, so it just says "fap," and it's so funny. <laughs> Definitely a redditor. Definitely a redditor. Classic. Classic. Well. This has been a fucking blast. I knew it was going to be an absolute fucking circus. You got um, any like final shout outs, any plugs, any causes, any uh, literally anything you want to speak about. Uh, the mic's yours. The floor is yours. And then we'll play a, an outro track and we'll say adios. Yes. If I say fuck two more times, it's 46 bucks in this fucked up run. Thank you guys. Have a good night. <laughs>